Good evening. Great to see you all. I can't tell you how excited I am tonight. Paul Dark Series 4 starts tonight. Anyone else excited about that? Come on. Aidan's going to get his chest out again. Good evening. Welcome. This is such a great evening to be here. If you're new and you're visiting this evening, warm welcome. My name's Gareth Park, the team here. Great to um, have you join us, particularly if you are here tonight to support one of those um, being baptised um, in our tank in a few minutes. Um, well, it's down to me just to say a little bit about what tonight represents, and, and, but I'm going to kind of like unfold it in a teaching series that we are exploring together as a church. So if you've got a Bible, um, you might want to turn it on or find one. There's a couple of here to Mark chapter 6. Um, we're not going to jump straight, straight in, but we're going to get there um, in a moment. Tonight, um, we are going to be hearing some incredible stories. And in many ways, the incredible stories that we're going to hear this evening come from the most incredible story that as a church we've been reading about in Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus, the gospel account, the good news account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And in a few minutes, we're going to hear of 13 amazing stories where the life and the ministry of Jesus have interacted with those incredible, unique lives. Are you excited? I'm really excited. I'm excited to hear what God has been doing. But I think one of the things um, about the story that we read about in Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus, Mark's gospel, one of the challenges that faces many of us, and I think particularly for people that we might know, if you know people who um, perhaps don't usually come to church and they're not used to reading the Bible, is that one of the challenges is that people come to the incredible stories of the Bible almost like a story like Harry Potter. You know, J.K.R. Rowling's account of the life and adventures of the young wizard Harry. The epic battle of good versus evil. Harry versus Voldemort. What an incredible story. And I think sometimes people come to the Bible a little bit like Harry Potter. Harry Potter, which is a book written by J.K.R. Rowling, which is her thoughts, her creative imagination, her fantasy um, put down in, in writing about this young boy who grows up and matures to be this incredible wizard that overcomes evil. I think sometimes we project that same kind of writing, that same kind of fantasy and creative imagination to the pages of the Bible and of the life and the ministry of the person who is the main character of the whole Bible, by the way, not just the New Testament. Jesus is the main character of the Old and the New Testament. And we can discover him as we journey through the pages of the Bible. I wonder what your experience, your um, encounter of Jesus is in the pages of the Bible. I wonder if the, the pages of the, of, the, of the story of the life and the ministry of Jesus have jumped out into your life as they have jumped out into the life of the 13 people that are being baptised tonight. The 13 people that are being baptised tonight have been gripped by this person, Jesus. 
This man who was sent by God to transform the face of the planet Earth. And 2,000 years on, Jesus Christ is still transforming the face of planet Earth through the lives of individual lives, one by one, life by life, through the life of a church like this and many other churches like this across the nation. And whenever you read the pages of the Bible, and we're going to get there in a minute, whenever you read about this person, Jesus, in the same way that the 13 people that are being baptized tonight have come to realize the reality of Jesus Christ in their lives, Jesus Christ at work in their lives. For some, setting people free, for some, bringing healing, for some, bringing restoration, for some, giving purpose and meaning to life. They'll tell their stories in a moment. Whenever you, you come across these encounters of the life and the ministry of Jesus, the reality of Jesus requires a response. I wonder what your response to the reality of Jesus, God's son, has been in your life. Hold on to that thought in the moment because I want to come back to that question. What's the reality of the response of Jesus in your life? We're going to come back to that in a moment. But I wonder if I could ask you a question first, and that is, um, what has been your most urgent life experience? What's been the most, the, 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 you know, can you think of one of those times in your life when all of a sudden poof, had to be in the moment? You had to get in the game. You know, you, it came unexpected. You weren't expected it. You know, it's one of those moments when your heart was beating so fast, it almost kind of like jumped out of your chest. And it's just like, oh my word, I need to get in the game. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was Sunday night. A little bit like tonight, you'd been to church. Church was great, ofs. And um, you went for a drink with people afterwards. And um, you, um, you went home um, a little bit earlier because tomorrow was your final exam at college. And um, so you set your alarm on your phone, trusty iPhone. Um, always you can depend on your trusty iPhone. And in fact, you, you, because you want to make sure you, that the alarm goes off, you don't want to miss it, you um, plug your phone into the charger overnight. Anyone do that? Plug their phone into the charger overnight just to make sure it charges because you know, life would come to an end, wouldn't it, if our iPhones didn't work in the morning. But then you, you, plug, your, you plug your phone in, you've set the alarm, and um, you wake up in the morning, the alarm didn't go off. Oh my word. You've got your final exam. College is a 20 minute walk away and you've got 20 minutes to get to your exam. How are you gonna do it? Your phone might have been plugged in but the plug socket was turned off. Who, who turns plug sockets off nowadays? I, I know people say do it when you go on holiday and all that kind of stuff but who does that? An urgent moment, you need to get to college for your exam. I wonder if um, you've had, ever had um, one of those urgent moments when you've been shopping at Tesco's or Waitrose, whichever is your fancy. You've been to the shops, you, you, um, you're walking home. And um, as you're walking home with your shopping bags, um, you've come to the realization, really should have gone to the toilet before you left for home. 
Ever had one of those urgent moments and you're kind of like running with your shopping bags as quickly, kind of like squeezing as tightly as you can, however you do it. Excuse me, I don't want to get too graphic here in church. I mean, after all, we are in church. And, um, and you get home, you get home and as you pull out your, your keys, you, you drop one of the bags, that's okay. But as you pull out your keys, your keys drop to the ground into the open drain. Oh my word. An urgent moment coming upon you. What do you do? All of a sudden, next door's garden looks appealing. Anyway, on uh, the 30th of October, two years ago, um, we had an urgent moment in our house. And um, my wife woke up at 3 a.m. with um, these kind of stomach cramps. And, um, and she was in quite a bit of pain. And I just thought, paracetamol, that'll do. G- gave her some paracetamol. Then came 4 a.m., the pains increased. Then came 5 a.m., getting more intense. And my wife starts kind of like, ah, ah. Um, it was probably a little bit stronger than that. And then by 5 a.m., this, these pains became absolutely unbearable. And as Zoe, my wife, says to me, she says, says, you've got to get the bag. You've got to get the bag in the car. We've got to go. We've got to go to hospital. And I'm just thinking, okay, okay, here we go. And um, she says, get the bag in the car. So I run down, I run, I run the stairs, get the bag in the car, shove it in the car. The door is wide open. It's, by this time, it's 6 a.m. I hear screams from upstairs. Ah, ah, ah. I run upstairs as doting husband. Are you okay, Dan? Yes, I'm fine, I'm fine. Have you got the snacks? Have you got the snacks? I'll get the snacks. Put the snacks in the car. Ah, ah, run upstairs. Are you okay, darling? Yes, darling. Have you got the tense machine? For those, for the uninitiated to um, these kinds of things in the world, a tense machine is basically electric shock machine for a wife that's about to deliver a baby to try and kind of like give them electric shocks to take their mind off things. We never got it into the car. If we had, it certainly wouldn't have worked. So... Zoe's going, ah, ah, into the car, into the car. I have no idea what the neighbours thought. The door's wide open. We get into the car. We arrive at Cheltenham General Hospital. Praise the Lord for the NHS. Josh, where are you? Is he gone? Josh, at this moment, are you having flashbacks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, so, so as we arrive at the hospital at 7 a.m., the midwife is arriving um, to change her shift. She is on it like a rocket. Like in the, in the lift, she's up there, she's kind of like escorting us into the delivery suite and, you know, I breathe a sigh of relief. Little do I know what's going to happen in the next 54 minutes, what is going to arrive. Thankfully, our son arrived very, very safely and um, just as a tip, by the way, any chaps that are expecting or may be expecting, um, I just want to give you, yeah, there he is, the little fella. He's a bit cheekier than that now, I tell you, two and a half years on. Anyway, and um, never say when your wife has gone, just gone through the delivery, the pains of delivery, well, that was relatively easy, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't do that. Turn to Mark chapter six. That was an urgent moment in our life, waiting for something to be delivered. And as we turn to Mark chapter 6, I want us to have those stories, that sense of urgency that is in this passage. Because Mark wants to communicate something of the urgency 
of the mission and the message of Jesus Christ to the world. He wants his readers to know this is urgent. The world needs to know this message. And if people do not know this message, then there's a direction of travel for their life that doesn't lead to a good end. And I'm delighted that those that are being baptized tonight have come to that realization for themselves and they are on an incredible adventure of life with Jesus Christ. So Mark chapter 6, verse 6, 7, sorry. No, we'll start at 6b. Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the 12 to them, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people, sick people with oil and healed them. Keep hold of that. Um, keep that passage open if you, if you can. A little bit before um, Mark 6 verse 1, we read about the story of how Jesus himself is rejected in his hometown. And having been rejected in his hometown where the people knew him, you know, this is just, you know, this is just Jesus, the carpenter's son, really? You know, all these, and, and, and by the way, Mark has packed the previous five chapters in with some quite astounding, incredible stuff. You know, healings, miracles, people being set free from demon, de demonic um, possession, all kinds of incredible things in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And he goes home and he's like, this is Jesus. I mean, he's nothing. And then Jesus, with that sense of urgency, gathers his friends together that have been journeying with him. And in fact, Jesus calls them to himself and he says to his friends, guys, I'm sending you out. And this isn't the first time that Mark records that they've been sent out. He's called them to himself and sent them out um, a number of times earlier. But there is this sense of urgency in Jesus' message, which is why he, 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 he tells them, you know, don't go with you know, you know, big rucksacks and bags and all your clothes and everything. This is an emergency mission. This mission is the most important mission. Just go. Go! And there's a sense of the urgency in Jesus that he's desperate for people to hear his mission. Earlier on in Mark chapter 1, um, Jesus, when he first invited his now disciples to follow him, he invites them to, to him with these words, and they obey. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake. They were fishing at the time. They were fishermen. That was their job. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I will send you out to reel in, to gather, to fill your nets, to bust your nets with people after my cause. And at once they left their nets and followed him. 
to the call of Jesus Christ, they responded immediately and obediently. I wonder if that could be said of the church today. I wonder if that would be said of us, Trinity Cheltenham, that when the Lord's called us to his mission and ministry, that we respond urgently, immediately, and obediently. A little bit later in Mark chapter three, again, he calls them to obedience, to preach and drive out evil. Jesus went up on a mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 um, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, to proclaim the good news, and to have authority to drive out demons, to drive out evil from the world. I wonder if the church still feels like it has that mandate to preach the good news and to drive out evil in the world. That is certainly something that we believe here in this church. And then in here, in Mark chapter six, as we've just read, he calls them to him again and he sends them out two by two. Probably so that there's accountability, probably so that um, they're in community with each other so that they can support each other, encourage each other in that journey. And And he gave them authority The church and every Christian has been given the delegated authority of Jesus Christ to see evil flee in the world around us. A question for us, I think, is will we respond to that reality of Jesus' call? And what this tells us, I think, is that the disciples of Jesus, his faithful followers were men and women of obedience. Eugene Peterson um, wrote a book and he he stole a phrase from the um, philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche and and, um, he called his book, speaking about the Christian journey, what it means to follow Jesus as a life of long obedience in the same direction. I wonder if your life would be described as a long obedience in the same direction, looking to, following, being guided by, answering the call of Jesus Christ. Faithful, long, persistent obedience to Jesus is one of the marks of Christians. That we would do what he says and do what he did. You see, Jesus, the reality of Jesus is that he is the man of God, sent from God. He was sent to us to call us to himself to send us out. I wonder if you see your life as someone who has been called to Jesus and then sent out for the sake of the world. If that's not how you see your life, can I encourage you to grab hold of the vision that we see in Mark's gospel of faithful followers of Jesus who will give up and do give up their life for the cause of the king and his kingdom. They are willing to give it all up. They're not going to go on the journey with, in luxuries and, um, you know, as we read um, that, that passage and we read about, you know, not being given 
money and, not, and, and, being, and to travel lightly. I wonder how you read that. I wonder if you, you read that and you just think, that sounds, that sounds quite hard to do, to travel lightly, to perhaps not have some of the luxuries in the world. I don't think that's what Jesus is meaning. I think he's, say, I think he's meaning it for his disciples at that time. I think there's a specific message to the, his first century followers. In fact, N.T. Wright um, says this about that particular passage, um, the author and theologian. He says, there have been a few, a few brave souls who have tried to live like this in later times. But the church has usually, and in my view rightly, recognized that these commands are specific to Jesus' own day and setting of his mission in the first century Palestine. Few, we might think. Off the hook, don't have to live like that. Well, let's look at the rest of the, the, the heart of the message, I think, that Mark is wanting to say. Because Mark is wanting us to understand that sense of urgency to drive out evil in the world. And that is no easy calling for the church. That is no easy task for followers of Jesus because we can become distracted in life. We can, our priorities can change. Your priorities can change. My priorities can change. We can be so distracted. And yet, and, and, on, and often, one of the tactics of the enemy, the devil, is to want his church to be distracted from the cause. And Jesus here is wanting us to understand that sense of urgency for his cause of his kingdom. I wonder if you have that sense of urgency. You know, those who are being baptized this evening are committing their way, their life to the way of Jesus. They're committing their life to do all that they can in the grace of God and in the power of his Holy Spirit to live their life for Jesus, doing what he said and doing what he, he did and to obediently follow as Jesus calls and Jesus sends. I wonder where Jesus is sending you. I wonder where Jesus is sending you tomorrow morning. Maybe it's um, back to school. Maybe it's back to your university lecture room. Maybe it's back to your workplace. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your neighbor. Maybe it's the place where you work in, the, in education or in healthcare at the hospital. Wherever it is you find yourself tomorrow. I wonder if you realize Jesus is sending you with his authority. I mean, just stop and think about that for the moment. Wherever you go, if you are a follower of Jesus tomorrow, you go with the authority of King Jesus. You go with the authority of Jesus to make a difference in the world, to help those who are lonely, those who are lost, those whom our culture and our society sees as the least, those who perhaps, the, you know, they've become so self-obsessed with the accumulation of things and consumerism that actually they think that, that, that life in all its fullness only comes when you have more. Life in all its fullness does come when you have more, when you have more of God, when you have more of him in your life. And those who are being baptized are seeking to begin that journey. It's not like they, they haven't got it all sorted. 
You haven't got it all sorted. I haven't got it all sorted. But they are choosing tonight to make that public declaration to say yes to the reality of Jesus. That is their response. If you're here tonight and you come as a friend or a family member and you're not a Christian, maybe you don't know the Jesus that we've been worshiping tonight, can I encourage you to think about saying yes to Jesus? We'll give opportunity for that, I think, a little bit later on this evening. But for now, we want to hear some incredible stories. We want to hear some incredible stories. And Andrew and Holly are going to come up and invite all the uh, different candidates to come up and say a little bit about their story. And as they do, can I encourage us to be cheering and supporting and raising the roof for these 13 incredible people who have chosen to say yes to the calling and the sending of Jesus.